0: Welcome to episode 120 of McChesney Unchained. We are back down here at the Barnes studio at DNBR, off of Colfax's place kicks ass. Uh, you got to get down here. It's jam-packed for every sporting event uh, on the front range. That's for damn sure. And every sporting event that's on TV, honestly, there's TVs everywhere. This place kicks ass. It's off Colfax. Get down to DNBR. Again, I'm in studio today. Joel Klatt is our guest a little later in episode 120. We're going to talk about college football, the NFL, the Broncos, the Gulak, Teddy Bridgewater, State of the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, and so much more. Uh, I'm really excited to be back in studio down here at DNVR. Make sure you go to thednvr.com and check out all that they do down here. Um, the turning point starts up today. We're going to be breaking down some positive plays from last year's Broncos team as we look into 2021. Uh, the turning point is an unbelievably good film breakdown that we do here. Uh Allie has been kicking Killing it, uh, the last couple of years helping me out with that and I'm excited to have another great year on, uh, of breaking down film and informing the DNVR crew about what we do and how we do it. Um, you know, this year we're going to, I'm going to try and slow down a little bit but I can't help the fact that I know what I'm looking at. So uh, I can't promise you that I won't talk fast in the, D- in the uh, turning point videos but I'll, I'll try my best to articulate and describe everything that needs to be described. Um, i'm excited about that to say the least uh, we'll we'll have some great videos and some great content uh at the turning point all year so make sure you check out at at uh DNBR unchained on twitter and then at six zero academy on twitter and instagram uh, we'll obviously be uh you know putting all of this on social media as much as humanly possible so like i said earlier mr joel clatt a uh, former teammate of mine we were captains together at colorado as great friend of mine uh, and the one of the the lead broadcasters for fox and mr know-it-all when it comes to uh college football no doubt uh he joins us here a little bit later in the show uh and he'll we'll be discussing damn near everything from the colorado buffaloes to uh you know college football as a whole and the realignment and you know the broncos nfo as a whole the the contenders in the afc contenders in the nfc uh the hall of fame induction that that's going on uh uh, this weekend with, you know, so many great Broncos going into that from Atwater to Lynch, uh, so on and so forth. So I'm pretty excited about everything, to say the least. Uh, football season is, is right on deck and that's always a great time of year. Um, so let, let's get into this. Episode 120 rolls here, McChesney Unchained. As always, it's brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. They do a great job of not only presenting uh, McChesney Unchained here at DNVR, but also the turning point. Uh, it's everyone's favorite time of year, mine included, right around the corner college football season is. To celebrate, DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly. If you bet $1 or more on any college football game, uh, you you get $200 in free bets. So take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right, DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook now to check out the great promotions and daily odds boosts that they are offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable. It's located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. The call to action is simple. If you download the DraftKings Sportsbook now uh, and use the promo code DNVR, you will receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet with a on any college football game. That's promo code DNVR to get your free $200 in in, uh, in bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Do you have a gambling problem? 1-800-522-4700, if so. And we roll here on McChesney Unchained. I've been a little slow on the betting since uh, the NBA uh, season was uh, uh, wrapped up with the bucks winning the title but obviously we'll be getting heavy on that as, as the season goes on that I'm super excited about uh, getting back on uh, on the betting the beton road and, and making some money again this year last year I, I'm not gonna sit here and and blow smoke but I was cleaning up so it was like a small business last year uh, sports betting on on you know, on the weekends, it was kick ass, so I'm really excited about that this year. Uh, we'll obviously be updating you on all the bets and everything we do through DraftKings as the season progresses, and hopefully, we can give you some tips and help you make some cheese. Uh, and you, you know, go to Vegas with me at the end of the year. So, let's roll here, episode 120. Uh, like I said, my man Joel Klatt's going to be our guest here, and we're going to talk about any and everything. Uh, look, I wanted to get started today. Uh, talking about a little college football recruiting and some news out of Six Zero Academy so I, I was up at junior day uh, on Saturday with with you know the top players in the state of Colorado and I don't know if anybody saw the pictures at Six Zero Academy but uh half of the kids in the room were dungeon family and we're proud of that to say the least um but you know I had long talks with coach Wilson long talk with Carl Durrell I, I love what they're doing in Boulder man and I'm going to talk to Joe Cloud about this obviously but the way they treated the kids just the 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 atmosphere the the feeling you know that the the way that they were talking about keeping colorado kids in state and look man i'm i'm hard on them about that i'm not going to sit here and pull punches they know i am but at the same time, it goes both ways. The kid has to want to play their number one, and he's got to be good enough to play their number two. And you're going to lose guys out of Colorado to other schools. It's, it's what it is. I mean, there's this year alone, at the, at six zero. Braden Miller's going to Michigan State. Connor Jones is going to Michigan. Uh, Caden Weatherby, the big tackle at Eagle Crest, is going to Texas Tech. Luke Meyer is going to Air Force. You know, and we've got a bunch of other guys in there that are offered. Travis Gray is is actually he's going to announce today, uh, you know, that he's committing to Colorado, and I I know that. And by the time this hits the airwaves, he will have done it already. So that's huge. The the Buffs bag Travis Gray. His daddy played it at colorado back in the day so that's a little breaking news here on a a recorded show so that doesn't really happen that often but it's uh it's it's i'm really pumped for the grays and and CU keeps a huge professional football player you know this kid you three or four years down the road if he develops correctly he's an nfl tackle jake wiley's from eagle crest he's up there he's going to start on the offensive line this year for cu he's an nfl player austin johnson he's from highland ranch these are all dungeon family kids so when you talk about guys that you want to keep in Colorado, man, I want to keep everybody in Colorado. Everybody that can play should play at CU, but it's just not going to happen like that. Guys are going to go other places. Uh, Josh Bates, his dad played at CU. Uh, Josh is Dungeon family all the way from Durango, and he's been on trips to Oklahoma, and Ohio State was on the phone with me this morning. Co- Coach Coach Alford, Coach Studsville, we're talking about, you know, who's this Bates kid? We like him, yada, yada, yada. I was driving up here this morning, and USC offered him. So, you know, there's – The big dogs are coming to eat here, especially on the offensive line. And look, man, it's because of what we do at 6-0. And that's a fact. The best players in the state on that position are in that room. And if you're a defensive player or a skill player or whatever, a quarterback, we help them too. We've got guys everywhere. The number one quarterback in the state of Colorado, Antoine Jackson, is from Douglas County. He was in there this morning balling out. You know, so the the there is no limit to the kind of players that we go after and the guys that come to us from Cole Taylor at LSU, Trey Zoons at AM, and A. Nakia Ainez at Notre Dame. We got guys at Stanford. This is what we do down there. So if you're a parent or a player, 6 com is the website. You know, congratulations to the Gray family uh, committing to the University of Colorado. That's huge. It's a huge gift for Coach Durrell. I know they'll be pumped about that. Coach Rod, the offensive line coach, is going to be psyched so that, that kicks ass. A little breaking news here on McChesney Unchained, as this will be posted by the time he gets done with his recruitment uh, video this afternoon. So, again, the recruiting thing is, uh, I know it's a touchy issue for Colorado fans, but number one, I'm doing everything I can as an ex-buff to help. Number two, it's not my job to send people to Colorado. It's my job to send people to play college football for free, and that's what we do. Number three, it's Colorado's job to make sure that they are presenting a quality product on the field and off the field that entices guys to stay home so you don't lose Trey Zune to Texas A&M and Cole Taylor to LSU and Alex Padilla to Iowa. And these are just done to Family guys off the top of my head, not including the ones I already talked about. Drake Nugent, Barrett Miller, all these kids. Barrett and Braden, both Miller brothers, You know, went to Stafford and Michigan State. CU doesn't get either of those. But it, it's it's the again it's the the mindset of we've got to be able to fi- find and and id the right guys and then bag them and recruiting these days is going to change because of nil the nil is going to be you know i was talking to the coaches about this on saturday when i was up there They're just going to have packages to pay kids to come to the school. Like, we've got 10 different advertisers at the University of Colorado that all want to throw into the pot here through the NIL, and they're going to endorse you, uh, and there's your package to come to see you for X, Y, and Z amount of dollars. So if you can't develop talent moving forward in college football – you won't have a job. The The days of just being able to identify a kid who can play and then bringing him in and that's your role, that's over. Now they can pay the kids. They don't need that. They don't need the nut tickle anymore. So, you know, the NIL is going to change everything, and obviously we'll talk to Joel Cloud about that uh, much more here on McChesney Unchained Episode 120. So let's get into it. I, I got done with my college football recruiting piece here. That's what we do at six zero. So make sure you uh, you take advantage of that, especially if you're in the state of Colorado. The distance program is also thriving. We've got a you know Con Temple's a big lineman that we work with in Frankfurt, Germany, for God's sake. So, you know, there's kids that live in Highlands Ranch that can't figure out a way to get in there, and then I'm. Meeting and, and dealing with a guy from Frankfurt three times a week. So, you know, it's priorities. And that that's really the uh, the point at Six Zero. So check it out, six zero academy.com, at six zero academy on Twitter and Instagram, and then at DNVR Unchained, obviously here on Twitter for the show. As we roll episode one twenty, Mr. Joel Platt uh, joins us here next. and we roll here episode 120 mcchesney unchained at dnpr uh, we're down here at the Barnes studio this place kicks ass right up. the Colpex. make sure you get down here and support all your colorado teams and as we build up training camp opening thursday night football starts tomorrow night with the hall of fame game down here so make sure you get down and check it out it's my honor and pleasure to bring on my ex-teammate my brother from another mother uh the man over at fox if you uh, if you watch college football and He's, he's the uh, the authority when it comes to quarterback play, in my opinion. Mr. Joel Quatt joins us here on episode 120. Uh, J.K., welcome to the show, brother. How are you?
1: Good, man. So good to see you. How you been?
0: Uh, I can't complain. You know, I'm down uh, almost 90 pounds. So, you know, trying to get trying to get slim and sexy, you know, like you and Sam and everybody else. Probably never going to happen, but I'm trying.
1: <laughs> Listen, I I love <laughs> the effort. I love the effort. It's all about effort. You're looking bro. good, brother.
0: I try. I try. So. You know, Joel is Joel just got back from you said the the Fox seminar and the, the build up to college football out in Phoenix uh, last night. You got home and the build up to twenty twenty one and COVID's over and everybody's playing full schedule. Uh, just you know, as a as a member of the college football world and 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 you know, immersed in that world, how excited are you for twenty twenty one to open back up and everything to be back to normal ish?
1: Yeah, I mean, I uh, let's hope it it continues in in that direction. Um I I think that um what was learned last year is that you can do it, you know, and 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 you should do it. It's worth it. Um and so I think that these schools are are desperate um to get fans back in the stands, not only for atmosphere, which we all are going to enjoy clearly, um but also just for the opportunity to um maintain their departments because uh, remember now these these athletic departments took massive hits last year even with playing football but it would have been much worse if they didn't play football and all the opportunities outside of the sport of football and the non-revenue sports are dependent on people being back in the stands because that's still a, a large driver of revenue so um, I'm excited to see that because it's going to maintain the level of opportunity for athletes across sports Uh, you know, does men, women, whatever it is. I love the intercollegiate model. I want those scholarships to remain and those opportunities to remain because I know how valuable they are. And so Matt, when I see fans in the stands, that's part of what I see even outside of the atmosphere. So clearly I'm ready, man. I can't wait for the the hair raising moments and the bands back in there. Uh, We certainly have a great opening schedule, Gus and I on Fox. Uh, But even more so, Fans in the stands means opportunity for young people all over the country to go out there and and fulfill their dreams of playing a sport at a higher level, but also do that and, and get an education at a high level as well.
0: Mr. Joel Klatt joins us here on episode 120, McChesney Unchained. And and Joel, let's talk about that opportunity. NIL is instituted. Guys are making money off their name, image, and likeness. I, I've signed up for my guys just, you know, on minimal little – little business deals, trying to, you know, stoke the fire a little bit through six zero and a bunch of guys in college football have signed not as many as I know. I know the kids want to sign everything, but again, it's a, it's a two-way business. They have to want to endorse you. Um, You, you like the intercollegiate model. I think that the intercollegiate model is amazing. You know, it gave me opportunity, gave you opportunity. It gives so many of my guys every year opportunity. You know, it's the, the the whole circle at six zero is is pretty cool you know you got guys going to texas a&m and lsu and we got a big tackle committing to see you today and and uh, josh bates justin bates son is going to commit next thursday and he just got oklahoma and then usc offered him today and it's like all these big time schools right guys going to michigan state and so on and so forth but then the, the coolest part about it in my opinion is the guys that left today for Jamestown and Concordia and the guys yeah. that left for Western and the guys that left for Pueblo, not yeah. just the big time programs, but do you see, do you think the NIL will ruin that part of college football or, um, or is it going no. to also elevate that?
1: No, I, it will, it will not ruin. I love NIL. I think that NIL should have been enacted years ago. I do too. Um, I, because here's the if you boil it down matt the argument that two things can be true could both be true or uh, the argument for administrators and people within the sport in the past was that two things couldn't be true right the intercollegiate model couldn't be great and players could couldn't also get their nil rights does that make sense yeah we, so we can't backwards. we can't have scholarships and, and college out, right? athletics and,
0: and get paid,
1: and that's just false. It's just false. Now, for, for my estimation, and I told people this a long time ago. Um, when it came to NIL, yes, like schools and and administrators and the overall model probably weren't and still aren't ready for it. Okay, it's it's because it's hard for them and they can't wrap their head around it and, and for whatever reason, and, and it's hard to set up the guidelines that are quote, fair for everybody and, and so on and so forth. And, and so they didn't do it. Okay. So they could have taken one or two steps that were going to be hard for them and they didn't do it. And now they're going to be forced to take 10 that they're unprepared to take. Okay. So this is their own bed that they're sleeping in, right? This whole like, oh, well, we don't know. There's no guidance and all that. It's like your own fault. Like you're idiots. Is this is your this is your own bed? Sleep in it.
0: You knew it was coming.
1: It's it was coming. It, it was inevitable to some point. And if they would have just done this four, five, six years ago, which they should have, they would have al- avoided all sorts of litigation. There, there are lawsuits that would have gone by the wayside that are now pressing into the collegiate model from an education-related benefit standpoint, which is what the Supreme Court case was with Alston. I know that's not what you're asking, but I just wanted to kind of get that It all that plays background. into I'm, it, though. It does. It does. Now, the reason I bring both of those up, right, the Alston Supreme Court case and NIL is because I really believe NIL is not going to impact all the lower, lower levels of college football. It could help, um, but the bottom line is there's only a few players that actually have value in their name, image, and likeness, okay? Fair. So if they do ho- hold value, they should be able to realize that value. That's not a hard concept. It really isn't. Now, the Alston case with the Supreme Court, Matt, that basically challenges the model of education-related benefits. Basically, the the university's um, – paying the players in, in many different forms, but paying the players, supporting the players, that's the model. Like if that goes full fledged and there's more lawsuits and it keeps going to the Supreme court, which, you know, judge Kavanaugh was an evisceration of the, the, this model. If that takes place, schools will forego football. Okay. That's not a, that's, that's a problem. So I think that people need to separate the two and pay for play is very different than realizing your your inalienable market value in your name image and likeness okay um, so I don't think it's going to hurt the the CSU Pueblo's NIL in that regards now if we go down the down the road of like these schools are kind of having to come up with hundreds of thousands of dollars extra to pay players from an employee employer relationship, I think you're going to see a a much different separation and, and we'll go towards the Ivy league model with some schools. Some schools will just get rid of football together. This, I mean, that's very in the weeds though. I I know that this, this is not the answer that you probably wanted or that's all that clear. Now I I will, I will tell you though, that I, I think everything that's going on and, and, whether it's conference realignment, all this different stuff, it boils back down to what's the model going to be in the future. You know, like for, for instance, I think Oklahoma and Texas were looking at it and they're like, listen, we're going to need a lot more money and we can't keep dragging along all these teams and programs that have no value and then splitting the pie equally with them. So we've got to go realize our value more so, not all that different from name, image, and likeness. They're like, we're more valuable than we're getting paid. We're going to go realize that in the SEC because we need it based on what the model is going to. um,
0: I mean, that's my next question. Then, then so conference realignment, it's at, it's on our doorstep again. You and I both played in the old big 12 North where, you know, that, that division is long gone, obviously. Um, There's a lot of talk out there that with Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC, which I think is a very smart move. Although you're not going to see them in, you know, the playoff as much. I'm just saying that's a smart move for them from a football standpoint. The Ohio State and Michigan being quartered by the SEC, the Oregon, UCLA, USC, Colorado going to the Big Ten, the Pac-12 taking on Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas Tech, Kansas State, yada, 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 yada. All these different scenarios. Is it, is it going to be four super conferences? Is the Big 12 dead? I mean, where do you think all this goes, Joel?
1: Well, it's a great question. I don't know. And and I think that's the the, the wildest part, Matt, is that I don't think anybody can predict. I think that the last um, bit of conference realignment, you kind of understood where the potential landing spots were for everyone, right? Like the the Big 12, Pac-12, or Pac-10 at the time, Big 10, ACC, and SEC weren't going to dissolve. Last, last time around. Now, it might have been close if, if those schools would have done the Pac-16 and so on and so forth, but but this time feels very different because I, I really believe that it's equally um, possible for us to have just two conferences at the end of this as Ooh. it is to have four. Ew! Right? <laughs> yes, two, two. And I think that that could happen in fact, I hedge a little towards that direction. I'm 51% towards that direction. So you Big know, Ten, SEC, it. and that's it?
0: That's East a, Coast, West that's Coast? That's exactly
1: right. That's exactly right. Wow. Um, wow. 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 Yeah, I mean, because, because here's the thing. Who knows? Who knows? Um, and the, the SEC is actively trying to, to go after Florida State and Clemson. Nope. their grant of rights deal is not up until mid 2030s so that makes that a little bit difficult um, if you're sitting there in your ohio state and michigan you know what's the big 10s plans how are we going to compete with this and then in the background here's 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 the part that not many people and i've seen a couple of, of really smart articles talk about this but here's the part that, that is not getting enough attention Greg Sankey for as forward thinking as he is and aggressive as he is and for doing his job as well as he has. Cause remember his job is only not to represent college football, but to represent the presidents and university in the sec. His job is to do what's best for them. SEC. Only. Yep. So he, so he's doing that. He should not be vilified for doing this. Right? No, it, it's
0: a, it's a smart move. Go get the two best programs in a dying
1: conference. That's right. And so he, he does that. Um, but Because of that, what he's done is he has created almost a de facto alliance outside of the SEC, where they're all looking at it, even the ACC, and they're all looking at it. And I've talked with countless administrators, ADs, commissioners, so on and so forth. And there's two lines of thinking. One is we need to take the board of managers of the college football playoff committee And just hit the brakes a little bit on playoff expansion, because part of this move from the SEC to to take OU in Texas happened because there was a thought that we're definitely going to at least 12 12. and there will be multiple spots for playoff teams. Right. So the only pushback everybody else has is say, hold on let's let's wait a second on playoff expansion and take a look at the model and revisit what the model is going to be so so then that puts the sec a little bit on defense that's the only leverage everybody else has is this the cfp board of managers right and the board of managers understands that they need to grow and they need to grow twofold one for the health of the sport and two for the revenue of the sport so it will grow it's just a matter of Let's, let's just not give the SEC everything that they ask for all the time. Let's kind of coalesce, let's band together, and create a model that could sustain the whole. Okay, so, the, so there's that. And then there's also this, and I hate I'm, – I'm biased in this, so take this with a grain of salt. There is a, a growing consensus within the sport that it might not be the best for the sport overall to have a one – Network partner for the postseason, and okay. and the reason being is because you see what Bob bullsby feels with ESPN, and and I don't know all the details, but the cease and desist letter, and right. basically he was saying like, listen, you just you helped destroy our conference, and we're in relationship with you, and so now the guys in the yes. ACC or wow. the Big Ten or the Pac-12 are sitting there thinking to themselves, well, why wouldn't they do that to us? So there is an appetite to, to grow the network influence in college football so that there's not so much power um, reservoired in one area. Okay. So there's, there's a lot, a lot going on. So now let's go back to conference realignment talk. It it really matters what the big Ten's appetite is. So what Kevin Warren and those chancellors and presidents in the big 10, what they want to do is the direction that college football will go. If they do not want to poach and they don't want to ruin the current model, then we're going to end up most likely with four conferences. I think that that's a coin flip right now. Power conferences. Between four and two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a coin flip right now, whether they view the SEC and their moves and even ESPN and their moves and saying our only option is to now go and swallow other areas so that we're a major conference as well. What, so wouldn't wouldn't it's, that it's be the
0: only way. option? That's well, the only – if the SEC is going to take Oklahoma, Texas, go after Clemson and Florida State and Notre Dame sitting out there, I mean, well, if this, the Big Ten has to stay relevant.
1: Well, they, they do. But in, in this scenario, um, four leagues could be advantageous and, and – Let's, let me give you a hypothetical. And this is, this is, by the way, let's step back. Now this is not just analysis. This is an opinion, okay? So right. now, now I'm going to give you my opinion. My opinion is that the SEC has stepped over dollars to pick up quarters. While you can compliment them, and rightly so, for doing what they have done, if they don't, at least with a, a small percentage of their outlook, look after the whole of college football, they will shrink college football to a regional sport. And you could argue it's already regional, but at least it's regional everywhere. That's okay? true. And so if, if they take all the oxygen out of college football and centralize it just in their own corridor, that's not good for them long-term. It's
0: not okay? good for You anyone. have to
1: look at what, no, it's not. And, and you have to look at what the NFL was able to do back in the 60s and 70s and 80s. And what did they do? They looked after the whole. Listen, the Giants and the Cowboys and the Steelers and, and maybe the, whomever it was back then that knew that they had more value than Bears, they didn't just say like, hey, hell with everybody, we're going to go get ours. The NFL would not be what the NFL is today if they did that. So let's get into – here's an idea from me. This is my idea. I believe that the CFP should not only um, expand and run the postseason – but they should also expand into governance over the non-conference. I think the NCAA should go away. And I think that the CFP, okay, and its board of managers should be our overarching governing body over college football. Hmm. Now, what happens if that happens, Matt? Well, here's what happens is that if you do have four conferences and we can maintain four power conferences and realign or, or readjust so that each of them has 14, 16, whatever it is. Let's say 16 since the SEC is already at 16. Now, with the same number of games, all you have to do is take, take, strip non-conference scheduling away from individual schools and house it in the CFP board of managers. And what you can do is that you can imitate, emulate the NFL style of scheduling. You have four conferences. Well, guess what you can do now? In your three non-conference games. who we
0: play. <laughs> your, hey. That's
1: right. And this is what I would do. I'm the commissioner. And your three non-conference games. Okay, let's let's bring up Ohio State for example. Right. You won your conference last year. Okay. So I'm going to make you play Cincinnati, a lower level school. Host them. Okay. You're going to host them.
0: That's good for the You're state gonna, of Ohio.
1: That's great for Boom. the state of Ohio. It's good for the lower levels of football. Yep. So, and by the way, every the great school, game. Uh, in those power conferences will host a lower level school similar to, to finish. Okay. So these are going to be quote unquote, equitable schedules, place schedules, however you want to call them. God, you are Ohio State would, then, would also then go to Oregon, who's the PAC 12 champion and nice. host Alabama. Which the SEC championship. <laughs> so that's their non-conference schedule. But then remember now, that's not just Ohio State. That's everybody. Every... Okay. So so Northwestern finished second in the Big Ten. The Big Ten scheduling partners are the SEC and the, and the Pac-12. So that means Northwestern, they're going to host Georgia and go to USC because those were wow. the two second-place finishers, and you go all the way down. Well, guess what I just did for the valuable um, inventory of college football games across the country? I, I dramatically increased the, value, uh, the valuable inventory. Well, now network partners are gonna pay a lot more. So this is a way to grow revenue and maintain the conference structure that is starting to take place here with potentially four conferences. Now you have a a grown playoff, you've got your conference schedule and each conference can maintain their individual network contract, media rights contract, grant of rights, whatever you wanna call it. So the SEC will still probably make more money than the ACC and the PAC-12. The Big Ten, probably the same. They'll, they'll make a lot of money, but everyone's making a lot more because we've taken these not very valuable non-conference games and created a massive amount of inventory that everybody wants to see. It's also great for fans because if you're Colorado and you finished third in the Pac-12 or whatever it was last year after it all shakes out.
0: You got big now, games.
1: You're going to be hosting Florida and Virginia or and going to Virginia Tech. So these fan bases get to see people from all over the country every year, crisscrossing the country. And these fan bases get to see different programs that they've never seen before. And I think that's a way that we can not only save a current model in college football, but also make it better and grow revenue and grow opportunity for everybody out there.
0: Brother, you are spitting facts right now. Joe Clatt joins us on episode 120, of McChesney Unchange here at DNBR. Um, I, I agree with you on on pretty much everything you just said. I love the crossover. I think that's a great idea. I I am more of the mindset of, of four conferences than two. If they do go to two, it'd be interested to see who gets left out. Um,
1: right, there'll be a lot left out. There'll Dude, be a ton why...
0: of, of schools left out, and like that's that's my problem with the Big Twelve just going away is. I mean, what do you do with Kansas State, and Iowa State, and Kansas? Both go to the Big Ten. Like, there's all this movement. If and going back to like a Colorado, they've already moved once. Yeah, we played in the Big Twelve and in the North, where those rivalries are—they're not dead, but they're gone. I mean, unless you're unless you're scheduling Nebraska, they're gone. Um, how, how does the Pac-12? and the ACC and and I don't know if the ACC and the big 10 are on the same plane or not. That's, that's a question for you, but how does the PAC 12 compete with those other three? What? I mean, and the PAC 12 and the big 12, in my opinion, are, they've got to be sitting there just chewing nails like, Oh man, we could have half of our, our conference on both sides in the mountain West in three years for all we know that that hurts everyone.
1: Yeah. Um, It's a good question. You know, I, I, Pac twelve is definitely nervous. They
0: should um, be.
1: The, the, they should be very nervous. And what they should be nervous about is that their fate lies in the hands of the big ten presidents. Oh God. It, it, that that's just the truth, right? That's just the reality right. of the situation. The big if the big ten presidents want to make a super conference, the Pac twelve will die. Ugh. That's that's just is what it is. Um, now you can argue,
0: I, I don't really care if it dies. I, and a selfish question here, Buffalo, Mr. Buffalo to Mr. Buffalo,
1: where does Colorado, where does Colorado
0: wind up? If that happens, like if the PAC 12 wants to die, okay, kill it. And, and Stanford can go be an Ivy league school and whatever, whatever, but see you in the mountain West. Doesn't sound good to me.
1: No, uh, certainly not. Um, okay. So let's just, you have to go through and think like an administrator, um, so the first thing that the Big Ten presidents would look at is academics. Um, Colorado clearly has the academic prestige to be a Big Ten school. They're an AAU uh, accredited university. And that's huge uh, in the Big Ten. Everybody one, right? Uh, I believe that that's the case. Yeah. And that's a that's a big thing in the Big Ten. Um, and now you're also being compared against. So it's not just your standing. You're being compared against. USC, UCLA, Cal, Stanford, Stanford Oregon, Oregon, Washington. Yeah. Like, there's some good schools. Good in schools the yeah. Very good schools. Um, I think what would be uh, advantageous for Colorado is that you can make an argument that they are the biggest brand by potentially a significant margin and maybe the only big brand in the mountain time zone. That's big from That's um, a, a media rights deal. that's a fact so they they have like a top i believe denver's still a top 20 market and and you could you could argue and the reason people you know people have brought up to me like well what about asu and phoenix phoenix is bigger than denver and so yeah but but asu doesn't fit academically
0: it's a community college bro
1: so so that's that's where colorado would have a leg up um you know would Stanford want to be involved in this? Because obviously the big 10 would clamor for a school like Stanford to be a part of their conference. Not only with no one
0: going to the games. I mean, their attendance and draw is terrible.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't matter how many fans go to your own games. It matters though. The prestige of the university, the big 10 then gets all of those Olympic sports. Uh, it was the first time in almost 20 years that Stanford didn't win the Learfield Cup as the gr- best overall collegiate program. Right. that went to Texas this year for the first time in, in ages. Um, so I got to look, look at Stanford, the full picture, full spectrum. Right. Good point. All right. So full spectrum. Um, then you then you question like clearly USC is a part of this. Do you need UCLA as well, or do you get LA and you don't have to cut the pie a separate way for UCLA? They're obviously going to be great academically. I'm just giving you like all the things that they would right. think through. Man, I don't know if Colorado would make the cut. If you're just talking about football, you know, you would probably take USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington. If you're just talking academics, you'd probably take USC, UCLA, Stanford, and Cal. Um, if you're talking about markets and history, you'd take Oregon, Washington, USC, and Colorado, you know? So I, I don't, I don't know, man, but that's only if they decide to swallow the PAC 12. And I don't know if that's going to happen, but this is, this is the tangents you can get on, man. This is why but it's so wild. This is so the beauty of so college crazy. football.
0: That's why we love well, it so or, much too. Or the dark
1: side, right? Well, I
0: mean, it's, I don't know if change is necessarily a bad thing as long as it's relative, I think going and just saying, look, the sec has been dominant for 10 plus years. Yeah. That doesn't outweigh a hundred plus years of college football history. In my opinion, it just is what's happening now. It's it's you know, when we were playing the big 12 was the conference that was running everything and Oklahoma was in the national title game every year. Mm-hmm. So I I'm looking at this, like I hope that all of the schools aren't just jumping at what's in front of them at the moment. You know, I, the great Lauren Landau that, you know, he's the strength coach for the Broncos. He always used to say to me specifically, don't sacrifice what you want down the road for what you want right now. And I, that's yeah. what I would say to the college football programs right now is they have such a good mo- – the Big 12 goes away in, in the opportunity-based business of this college football. And I want your opinion on this because this is my idea. Rather than scrapping the Big 12 – if four teams want to go to the Pac-12, cool. If Kansas and Iowa State want to go to the Big Ten, I get it. If Oklahoma and Texas jump, I get it. I get it. And that, that leaves like one or two teams out in the wind. West Virginia goes back to the ACC. They get to play Pittsburgh in the Border War again. I'm with it. Why not invite 12 schools to the Big 12 and start over? And then Colorado State is a major market, and you got two major conference schools in, in Colorado. Yeah. And then Houston, I just you don't know back to it's... where SMU and all these schools, I mean –
1: I don't with right. You. I don't think that the Big Twelve will disband. I think that w- when I say like the Big Twelve goes away, it goes away in terms of their leverage and power, right? Yeah. I don't think then they would be considered a Power Five conference. I think we would have an autonomous or Power Four. Yeah, you And have then we to. would have. You can't just invite.
0: You can't invite the group of
1: five schools up and be like, now you're a big boy. That's right. Can you? No. No, I, I don't think I don't think that you can. So I don't think that the Big 12 has to go away, um, and I don't know how it's going to shake out. There's a lot of really good people there. Bob is really smart. Bob Bowlesby is one of the best commissioners I've ever been around, and I know he's I I, I know he is um, incredibly hurt about what happened because remember he has sat for him. a year and a half with with Greg Senkey <laughs> and on this playoff expansion um, committee, and then. You know, I, I'm sure he feels like Greg kind of pulled the wool over his eyes because Greg wanted 12. He wanted to expand all this stuff all the while, knowing that he needed to get this announcement that the playoff was going to expand so that when he brought on Oklahoma and Texas, no one would be like, well, there's not enough playoff spots. Because remember, if those announcements are reversed, everyone would have looked at, OU and Texas going to the what SEC team and be like, what are you doing? You know, competitively, that doesn't work for a why Why would you Texas.
0: sacrifice dominating your area of the country to get into the playoff every year just to go be in the SEC?
1: That's right. And, and that's where people have taken exception with um, what Greg did over the last, you know, year or so. But one thing I do know about Greg, and I think he's a brilliant man. Um, I, I appreciate him immensely. Um, and he has said this to me before. He said, I, nor the SEC, will ever apologize for being us they shouldn't and they shouldn't
0: i mean look man I, i've been to some sec environments I've, I've been to games in mississippi state and georgia and you've obviously been everywhere and it's different it's different they care more yeah they, it's it yeah. is what's going on in town it's not yeah. just something that's happening so it is what it is in that regard all right so look a uh, couple of Buffalo questions, and then I want to ask you about the Bronco quarterback situation, and we'll get you out of here. Uh, the great oh. Joe Clatt joining us here on episode 120, McChesney Unchained. We're down here at the Barn Studio at DNVR off of Colfax. This place kicks ass. Make sure you get down here for the opener uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night Hall of Fame game. Steve Atwater's going in. He's going to join us in two weeks here on McChesney Unchained in studio. That'll be pretty awesome. Uh, Alan Fanica, next team line of mine going in. So I'm really excited to see everything uh, on Thursday night. John Lynch going in, another uh, great Bronco. So. Buffs, hell of a schedule, but we're used to that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah. what we played when we were at CU. You're always yeah. going to play. You're always going to play good competition. They look for it, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to play there. I'm not going to lie. Hell of a schedule. Uh and comes in on the on the 11th to Denver. You've got Oregon at, you got Oregon. You've got Washington, SC, UCLA. They they got they got the gauntlet now. I'm pretty interwoven with the with the guys up there. I was up there on mm-hmm. Saturday for Junior Day. Half the guys up there were were Dungeon Family kids. It was pretty awesome. I had a long talk with Wilson. Obviously, is my position coach when I was there. Yeah, he's now the defensive coordinator. I don't know if I've ever seen him more I, excited. I love this guy. I'm I telling you, bro. Guy. When he had me ready to run through the door when we were <laughs> talking about this, because he, you know how excitable Coach Wilson is, and he's talking about. Lang and Landman and Van Deist and Christian Gonzalez, this young kid at corner, and the depth they have yeah. in the secondary. Gonzalez
1: and, uh, is good. I'm, I'm think telling Blackman you, man. Pretty good, too. And that, that's the first question though. is they, what they, do you think about the
0: Buff defense?
1: Well, they have to be better, right? So, as excited as we are, I love Chris as well. I was yeah. there, you know, with you when he was the defensive line coach. So, while I was there, I hated him because you guys all hated <laughs> quarterbacks, but <laughs> I. There's nothing I'm better kidding, than GB
0: I? walking by and going quarterbacks are
1: live and we're like yes. <laughs> you know Can I tell Can I tell you a quick tangent about that? Please. Um, okay, so I was, you know, and and for those out there that maybe don't know, I was I know. a walk on, okay? And so I wasn't overly impressive. Like I'm, I'm b- maybe 6-1, like maybe just under. I don't have a very strong arm but I could operate an offense, right? Like I was good in the huddle. I was good in the, like operating the offense. I made quick decisions. I knew the offense inside and out. So you guys didn't know this, but like if, if we weren't live, I was never going to be able to separate myself from the other quarterbacks. I was better in the pocket under pressure. I knew the protections. I would, you know, like when we were just throwing seven on seven, I wasn't the most impressive guy, right? You like so the live I used, drills. I used to go to Gary and, and I would tell him and I would be like, Hey, will you please make us live for this scrimmage? Oh, I love it. I know you didn't know that. And I didn't, I didn't know want it, to but tell I anybody. It. I didn't want to tell you guys. Cause then you guys would be like, Oh, he wants to be live. He every once. day, you know, but that was the reason <laughs> I was like, listen, like that was my differentiating factor, right? Like I needed, I needed all of us to be live so that my skill set would shine versus just like a talent set that those all of those guys had more talent than I did. You know, the James Coxes of the world and Brian Whites of the world and Bernard Jackson's of the world. So I used to beg Gary to make make me live in those practices. I so remember anyway. hitting you in live in live uh
0: practice and you used to get up and just talk so much junk right back. And I'm like, yeah, and that's why he's our yeah. quarterback.
1: That's our guy go, right man. there. That's our yes, guy. That's what you gotta do. All right, Buff defense. Breathe. What do you think? Yes, yeah, so, okay. So Buff's defense. Here's the deal. As excited as we as I am for Chris and you clearly, Coach Wilson, um, I I love Carson Wells and Nate Landman, right? Like you Stans. got really you got two dudes. I think that they're good on the corner. I like Blackman. I think Ter- Terrence Lang has got to be great inside. I really He's got
0: to be a first, second, third-round draft pick good for them yeah. to be good. Because yeah. he and he has the tangible. He's 6'6", six, six, long, fast, big, strong. He's exactly what you're looking for in a Calais Campbell two-gapper. If he can dominate Wells and Landman and everybody has one-on-ones.
1: They have given up 30 points per game in each of the last two seasons. And
0: that's not good. They've
1: – they've allowed 30 points in 14 of their last 18 games over the last two seasons. And they've ranked in the bottom half of the pack 12 in both pass defense and rush defense last season. It has to improve. So as much as we're excited and we think they can improve, it has to take a jump period. Uh, very similar to what Oklahoma was two years ago when Alex Grinch came in as the defensive coordinator, right. they were atrocious on defense and he has quietly made gains. Okay. So, I think they need to improve by somewhere in the neighborhood of, I would say seven to nine points per game, which is a giant leap. That's They've got to get leap. better on the defensive line. It's but but it has to happen, or else you're just going to be sitting there trying to outscore people, and I don't think that that's possible.
0: And I hate to just go back to back in our day, but back in our day, and look, I'm going to equate this to o three o four. In o three, we were really really talented. We had dudes everywhere. We had we had NFL players on defense. We had McCoy and Hackett and you're throwing the ball yeah. over the field. We we had dudes, but we couldn't stop a nosebleed defensively because of our scheme. Right. We brought in Hankowitz and he simplified everything. And it's not like we were great on defense the next year, but we but were. You guys we, were,
1: you were, you were way better,
0: way better. Number one, in but the but we had zone, lost
1: all of our talent on. and offense. we
0: lost all of our talent on offense. So I look at the mix now and I go, they're really young on offense. They got a rice. They got a, another Chenault. They got all these backs. I've placed half the offensive line. I'm pretty confident in that in that, uh, in that that unit and what Rod is going to do with them. Do you think that that side of the ball can help support the defense? And if they are eight, nine points better a game, that they're an eight- or nine-win team, in my opinion.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, that's the hope, right? I think that their tight end room has to be very good because I think everything's going to have to come off the run game. Um, Agreed. I, I just don't know um, Lewis all that well. I hope that he's a really good player, Um, but, but that remains to be seen. I think it's incredibly difficult, Matt. I can remember, like, it's so difficult for a guy who's starting his first action in college football to have to be the catalyst for movement. Now, you want your quarterback to play well, but when you're early in your career, you need you need advantageous positions to do that. Right. A young quarterback can't be in second and long and third and long all the time. It's just not going to work. You've got to throw the ball when you want to throw the ball. You've got to dictate what the play selection is. Young quarterbacks do not play well when the play selection is dictated to them. So for me, it's, it, it comes down to one plan in particular on first down from Shiv and two their ability to run the football and control the line of scrimmage. Because if you can get, it comes down to basically numbers, right? If you have to throw the ball 12 to 15 times in in what I would call pressure spots, that's too many. That's just too many. Okay. Third and long, second and long. Right. If you throw the ball five or six times in those spots in any given game, now you're probably going to win. Cause that means that the other 15 to 20 passing attempts are on your terms. screen second and, and, and short, legs, it's and screens, easy it's throws. boots. It's, yep. Exactly. And so To me, that's what the offense has to be, which puts an immense amount of pressure on the backs, the tight ends, and the offensive line. I, it, it, you know, it helps me out a lot knowing that you worked with a lot of those O linemen and are confident in them because they're going to, they're going to have a lot of pressure on them. And, And you remember this and Bill McCartney used to do this all the time. You pull the, you know, the camp is starting right now and you pull five chairs up on, on the stage in front of your team. You put your five starting offensive linemen. And guess what? Matt, you know this as well as anybody, your team and its identity lies in the hands of the five starting offensive linemen.
0: One hundred They're the
1: ones that are going to make the defensive line tougher. They're the ones that they run everything because if they, forgive my French, if they suck, your defense doesn't get the look in practice. They don't get toughened. Iron sharpens iron, right? That's Absolutely. why the defensive line was so good and and 01 and 02 is because that offensive line was really good
0: yes it was all right so joe clatt joining us here episode 120 uh, of mcchesney on chain talking to colorado buffaloes uh i'm excited to watch you know here, here's your first broadcast you open up ohio state and who
1: minnesota ohio it's state thursday, minnesota and
0: then obviously the buffs have minnesota uh week three in folsom it's an 11 a.m kickoff so thursday night ohio state minnesota make sure you watch that on fox and my man, uh, Joe Cloud will be up there spitting truth with, with Gus. Your broadcast, bro, it, it like gets me off the sofa, and I love the sofa. So uh, oh. let me ask you this one last question before we get you out yeah. of here. Thank you for all your insight and your expertise here about college football. Uh, it's It's got me thinking about some new stuff, too, so I, that's that's a good thing. You're, you're, a, you're a Colorado guy. You grew up a Bronco fan. Uh, I listen to you all the time on, on the fan with, with Stink. You're down there, you know, talking about the quarterback position and whatnot. Bridgewater, Locke, your two cents real quick.
1: I mean, I, 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 I hate to say this, but I just am not a believer in Drew Locke. You know, I think that you see it or you don't. I think that Teddy is much safer play at this point. And I think neither of them are probably Super Bowl caliber. Um, and it's what's frustrating is that outside of that posi- position, I think that they have a roster that could compete at the highest levels in the in the AFC. So do I. I think and and good. I think they're really, really good. Yeah. And they're probably a divisional playoff team ceiling because of the quarterback play. Let's hope I, I'm. In my mind, I'm like, hey, this is Teddy's to lose. You know, can he go out there and, and, and play really well and get this really good roster to, to their ceiling? Um, I just, I've never, I, I've just never seen it from Drew Locke. He's talented. Listen, being talented and being a great quarterback are two totally different things. 100%. Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl throwing punts around the field. Okay, why? Because he's a great quarterback. There is a massive difference. And that's what I think is so frustrating is that I think that the two are conflated and in particular within fans and in some media that that are like, well, look at him. He's, look, he's doing great things. It's like, is he? I don't know. So I hope I listen. I, I wish success for all of those guys. I just, I've never seen it from Locke. I just have never seen him turn the corner.
0: I think Bridgewater will be the guy eventually, you know, I I watch a ton of tape and I'm not just watching the TV copy. I'm watching the all 22 and evaluating the protections and, you know, the calls and the squeeze gaps. And Drew doesn't know what he's looking at because if he knew what he was looking at, he would be at the line of scrimmage, moving people around and making sure he was protected. You know, it's, it's something that I always found amazing is like the offensive linemen are supposed to protect the quarterback, but it's the quarterback's job to walk up and tell us where we're going and what we're doing or the centers, and when you have a rookie center and pretty much a rookie quarterback, it's gonna to lead to catastrophe like we saw last year. So
1: yes. I agree and I with know, you wholeheartedly way, on that. I,
0: Teddy just knows more. He's a vet, he's well, gonna put he him in a good, good position.
1: I know exactly how Teddy cut his teeth. Um, you know, he played for Sean Watson, who was our coordinator yep. at Colorado. He played for Sean at Louisville. I know exactly how Sean teaches. Sean was the best teacher of the game. The only reason I've had any success in, in the sport, whether it was a player, the remote success I had, or now as a broadcaster, is the way that Sean taught me the game. And that's how Teddy was taught the game. And obviously, he's had a long career in the NFL and taken that to a different level. It, it, the difference in understanding of the schematics of the game between the two quarterbacks is drastic when you watch it on film. Drastic where their eyes go, how they control protections. I would assume that they would, but this this is
0: the way I look at it. I think the Broncos are going to put lockout first with the first unit in the preseason against Minnesota when they play in whatever a week. And I think he's going to look worse with the ones and Teddy's going to go get his work with the twos and the twos are going to look better with Teddy and everyone's gonna go okay what are we talking about here i we've right. got a, we i've got a great defense an unbelievable secondary we've got pass rushers. we need to play with the lead we drafted as if we want to run the football i just hope pat schumer and his three wide you know motion based <laughs> offense with no fullback on the field i hope that that's a good fit for a smash mouth football team that needs to control time of possession i just i hope yeah guess we'll see great point all right so the great joe clad joins us here episode 120 mcchesney unchained jk you have a great year brother thank you so much for coming on the show once again and and spitting some truth uh i'll be watching every week and i I can't wait to uh to watch you have a great year
1: awesome man all the best to you you. to you and your family
0: brother have a good day bud love you bro. bye and that's it folks episode run 20 is a wrap oh no we're good that's it we can stop